Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening. Welcome to this week's Run of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I have got Adam. Adam, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. I'm very good, thank you. I got Jesse. Happy Thanksgiving, Jesse. Sure. <laughs> and very happy about this because it's been far too long. Justin. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. Thank you. Right, so we are going to be talking about a fair few things this week. It's been a Champions League week. Uh, There are games coming up across Europe and uh, beyond and in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, First of all, we are going to start with the news that broke yesterday evening, uh, the passing of Diego Maradona, age 60. Um, Tremendous scenes in Naples for the last 24 hours or so uh, outside the stadium that's going to be renamed after him in his honour. I'm going to come to you all individually because I'm guessing we've all got sort of all... uh, Three of you have got different takes on Maradona. So I'm going to come to Justin first of all, because I'm guessing that me and you, Justin, are the only ones that can actually remember him playing. Yeah, very well. Um, the 1986 World Cup in this country was the first one that had uh, start-to-finish cable television coverage where every game was was on. I, I might be wrong about that. Maybe in some parts of the country um, it, it, it started sooner than that. But 86 is the first time I can remember being able to watch every game. And, of course, Diego dominated that World Cup uh, with a relatively pedestrian set of teammates. Um, I was at university at the time and, and was staying there for the summer with a teammate of mine. And we would watch the games every day and then go out and train for a couple hours, just sort of fueled by how amazed we were by, by his performances. People forget, I think, that they weren't around for it. Obviously, the hand-of-God goal and the second goal against England are what have sort of lived on in, in the memories, but all his performances through all the games, I mean, he tore Belgium completely to pieces um, and, and pulled all the strings in, in the final against a pretty organized German side who were intent on not letting him do that to them. Um, obviously, as a as a River fan, I'd, I'd known about him when, when he was at Boca. In fact, I remember him coming on my radar at a, at a Youth World Cup. Um, it may have been... He didn't get... He get, didn't get taken by Minotti to the 78. He didn't make the 78 World Cup squad, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but there was a, a youth a youth World Cup that he had sort of announced his arrival and made a case to, to make that squad. In the end, Argentina won, won the title anyway. But um, uh, it, I, I have very, very vivid memories of him. Um, and, and then, of course, his, his, his time at Napoli, which in terms of his club, club career, he's, he's probably best known for. Um, watching that unfold in real time, if you know, I, the best way I can say it is, if people can imagine what it was like when Leicester won the league a few years back, it was similar to watching what what he was able to do, uh, the trophies they were able to win, 
when he went there because they had won very little before and, and obviously very little since. Um, he was just a, a transcendent figure. We've got a couple of millennials with us on this podcast, Justin. So um, I think one thing about Maradona at that time is he was this figure that just sort of appeared uh, in 86. We didn't appear in 86, but he's sort of, the way he dominated 86, like... Somebody on Twitter was saying yesterday he can't remember anyone dominating since maybe sort of like Grincher in 62 or anyone since. I suggested Baggio in 94, but he didn't sort of agree. But he was there. He's there on TV for four weeks and then he's gone. And then he appears four years later. And you don't get that in a player anymore um, and you, you, because of the way of sort of satellite TV is. And it's just fantastic how he sort of bursts onto your TV for three weeks and then he goes again. And you sort of hear nothing of him. And it was like this huge sort of talented flashy in the pan that appeared um but he got absolutely sort of brutalized with the treatment as well that you don't sort of see so much nowadays does he you mean in terms of on the pitch yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously we, we protect players better these days um some say obviously to the detriment of the game but but he carried the ball and he took a lot of punishment for that um there's, there's a great if if certainly everybody should, should track down the uh, the documentary Golay about the 1982 World Cup and that uh, there's a lot of field level cameras that um, that documented the treatment he got from uh, from a couple of the group stage opponents uh, that you never get away with today certainly not with VAR but he rode tackles so beautifully well um, he used low center of gravity obviously in an extremely strong lower body and he also knew plenty of the dark arts and, and how to protect himself. Um, as as even he as, even as he carried the ball, he was very good using his arms and, and elbows to keep people off of him. But uh, it it was a different era, um, and what we what he was able to accomplish then just sort of makes me wonder. Just imagine him in his prime now, with the level of protection players do tend to get. Yeah, and. Um... So, so, Jesse, I want to come to you from a South American perspective. Um, Tim Vickery, the South American football correspondent, has been talking a lot today about how Maradona um, epitomises sort of post-colonialism attitudes in South America. Uh, so, the first goal he scored against England, the one with the uh, where the hand of God goal, um, it came very recently after the Falklands War between England and Argentina. Uh, Britain had quite a sort of close colonial relationship with Argentina in the 19th century um, and Argentina has sort of grow up, developed as a country with sort of football as a huge backdrop to it so uh, Vickery's point was when the ball was punched into the net that was sort of Argentina saying to the English we're smarter than you and then when he scored that second goal when he took it around everybody that's Argentina saying to England we're better than you you know you're not our masters anymore is that accurate coming from you from a sort of South American point of view and what's what do other countries in South? What does he mean for South America as a whole, as well as Argentina? Um, I don't think that. I think that um, Argentina would tell you, you know, as their Clarín, their biggest paper, wrote yesterday. Um, God has died. That was the headline, um, and so I think that, you know. It would be an easy generalization to say that, and and some people would be able to say this that Maradona sort of represented, you know, um, the 
um, the populace of South America. And you can make that argument in a lot of ways. You know, he came from a family of eight, grew up poor, small, um, fought his way in this like gritty style that Justin talked about. And you could make that argument pretty easily and in some cases accurately, I think. But I, it's important to sort of call out that there are nuances here and that are getting lost or that maybe won't get looked at until later. Um, you know, Argentina is in a three-day mourning period. Um, Napoli is mourning. Um, but Argentina has always used Maradona, I think, as a shield in certain in certain ways. Um, in his own book, he called out the Vatican, rightfully. Um, but this Argentinian pope has spoken about Maradona as, you know, an Argentinian figure and as a god. So, you know, um, showing that, like, you can use Maradona as a kind of any any kind of figure you want. Um, Maradona and Messi, Maradona and Pelé have their own internal kooky, weird um, battles as to who means the most to South America, who means the most to Argentina. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of colonialism in terms of what it what it means to be you know what it means to have overcome um, I cannot speak for Argentina but um, there are other players who have overcome and gone back to do for their nations in a way that Maradona has not done he fought his own addictions um, did he go back and really you know build hospitals or put into the grassroots of Argentinian football the way that some other players did no um, so I, I'm not I think the right one to to look at this um, in terms of Argentina but I think in terms of South America, um, I would not choose Maradona to like represent um, leadership um, historically, politically, socioeconomically, or in terms of football. And I will get crucified for that, but I, I will stand <laughs> by that. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. Um, Adam, I'll come to you then. So should a six foot five goalkeeper be out jumped by a five foot five striker? because <laughs> um, no, you don't remember him playing do you Maradona I remember Mexico 86 and growing up I loathed Maradona for years because of um, because I remember the, the hand of God when it happened and like we said last week you know Homer told Lisa I used to believe in things too and the older you get the more you sort of mellow on these things and you began to sort of see him for what he is were you angry at him for the hand of God or did you just did it mean anything to you, or did you just appreciate him for who he was, or his, his play? 
it doesn't mean anything to me now. Yeah. Sort of like at that time, you suppose when the younger I was, I probably have mellowed on it just as quickly as you have. But that's only because it's something you learn about as a eight year old and you're told to be unhappy about it because that's your country and you got cheated. But when you learn to see it in the when you learn to see that game and his his um his talent in the uh, <clears throat> through clearer eyes, you can see that that it was um, academic yeah although Shilton has been very entertaining all over um, the telly today hasn't he yeah he's he's decided to, to loser for the last make... 30 odd years hasn't he <laughs> <laughs> sorry Justin yeah sorry he, he's he's really decided to make this his legacy it's a bit of a shame um, that, he, that he can't let it go and, and uh, look I understand he, he's his argument is that he had it, you know, he had he had it covered. Had had Maradona not used his hand, I'm not so sure. You look at the still photos, you look at the pictures. He's really nowhere near it. I think it gets headed over him. I don't think I don't think Diego actually needed to do it. Um, and it's you, you certainly have to respect Shilton's commitment to the bit. <laughs> did he? Did he? Has he mentioned VAR at any one point? I no, think he mentioned I, it on the telly this morning. Did he? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, great, great. <laughs> um, it's a, you know, it, it's it was tough for me a couple of weeks ago when Ray Clements died. Yeah, um, he was he was one of my boyhood heroes, and I absolutely guarantee you that had it been Ray Clements in goal and the same thing had happened, Ray Clements would not still be bleeding on about it. <laughs> um, well, I would. <laughs> What I would say is sort of just for like again a little bit of context is Gary Lineker was speaking before the the Champions League games last night on BT Sport and um, he talked about obviously playing in that game and talked about his interaction with Maradona and us and he's someone who probably from a, a British point of view has had more interaction with with Diego than probably anyone else with the documentary he made and um, actually having sort of played both both on the same pitch against and with with Diego in um in different games and uh he he did say that after he scored that second goal that it was the only time on a football pitch he'd ever felt the need to applaud an opponent but decided not to do it because he knew he'd get crucified by the media <laughs> that came. Um well, well, and I just think just just touching again, just to sort of maybe try and tie it all together and also like touching on a little bit on on what Jesse was pointing to is sort of there is this idea of there being of him the, the dichotomy of, Ma- of Maradona right there being these these two people there's there's Diego and there's Maradona and that's that's something that's uh very well put in the Asif Kapadier uh film that I imagine all of us have watched here and is if you're in the if based in the UK it's just been made available to watch free on all four again so if you haven't seen it, is it is it is a great film and it does sort of it talks it 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 shows you about the the time at the ninety at the eighty six World Cup. It shows you about his 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 experiences at Napoli, but it doesn't gloss over some of the darker aspects of of Maradona's life that um, Jesse alluded to. So it does seem to to paint a picture of the the whole man. Okay. Well, look, you, you know there's. Oh. The, well, if I could add one more piece of yeah. historical context, I think people have to remember that this Argentina as a nation felt cheated by England 
for what happened at the 1966 World Cup, and I don't mean the goal that did or did not cross the line in the final against then West Germany, but when England played Argentina, Argentina's captain Ratin was sent off in very controversial circumstances. The Argentinians felt as if they had been cheated. Um, they sort of felt stitched up by a lot of things about the tournament, their housing, their travel, um, and, and that was only 20 years prior to the 1986 World Cup. I know now it's 54 years past, but, but when, you know, in the context of the 1986 World Cup, there were plenty of people with, for whom that, that game was still somewhat fresh in their memories, and I think that's one reason that um, they've always sort of laughed off when it's been called cheating, and then they've seen it as simply opportunism. Okay, well, look, we'll leave the last word to Emma. She's not here tonight, but she supports a team that Maradona's played for. So she said today's... Um, he was a legend. With no Maradona, there would be no Messi. He meant a lot to us. He was one of my dad's heroes. If Maradona hadn't broken his ankle against Bill Bow, then maybe history would be very different. Uh, he might have stayed longer. When he made his recovery, we played Bill Bow in the final. He got the shit kicked out of him, and he snapped and started a mass brawl in front of the king, which is the stuff of legend. Uh, the directors washed their hands of him. Basically, he asked to be transferred. He was a saint to us, like no other player until Messi. He unapologetically, he unapologetically knew how to live life. He also disliked Ronald Koeman. Uh, I miss him already. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some other things. There might be some other underlying issues that yeah. I did chuckle when I saw that last what, bit. What I will say is that after he pivots on the halfway line, Peter Reid jogs after him. He does. Jogs. Yeah, he was on the radio. I was on the telly last <laughs> night. <laughs> Football was played at a very different pace in 1986. Yeah. Um Two things. Uh, Henrique, who passed in the ball for the second goal, claimed it was a hell of an assist. Um, and um, <laughs> it, uh, in I think it was in the late 70s, uh, he had played, uh, Argentina had played um, uh, England in a friendly, and Ray Clements was actually in goal. Uh, and Maradona nearly scored a very similar goal to his second goal, and he was bearing down on goal. Uh, and he went for the far post. Um, and... Apparently, his brother talked to him afterwards and says, why did you go for the far post? Why don't you dummy and go for the near post? And apparently, that was going through his head as he was bearing down on goal for his second goal against England. He remembered what his... As he's running towards the goal, he remembered what his brother told him. And that, that's why he went that way. Famous... Br brothers of famous footballers have played a, a, a big role historically. I don't know if... One day, we'll have to tell the story of Zidane's brother and how he convinced him to play for, for France once again after he had... He had oh, retired from international football. I thought you were going to say that he shouted, telling him what he said, and said, "You need to headbutt him," because that was out of order. <laughs> what he said about our mum. I thought we yeah. were going to hear something from Justin. He got some sort of famous <laughs> brother or something. <laughs> no, no. Uh, right. Okay. So we move on to different events. We move on to the Champions League. Um, okay. Just, just again, just to, to quickly tie those all together. Did anyone see? I forget the. I can never pronounce his name. But did anyone see the footage of, of the? Um, the Argentinian Ajax fullback warming up in the Champions League games where he was doing Tagli his Fico, yes. um, he was doing his Maradona impression um, with his dancing that was pretty <laughs> cool um, yeah it was uh, Champions League this week um, and Ajax beat Michelin 3-1 uh, in the same group that Liverpool Group D uh, lost 2-0 to Atalanta uh, goals from Ilicic and Goosens um, Liverpool much changed uh, Robertson, Jota, Firmino uh, Fabinho started on the bench there were two goalkeepers named on the bench is this after Jurgen Klopp's complaining uh, in recent weeks about the fixture schedule was that a bench of a statement to somebody somewhere uh, Justin 
Uh, it's hard to know, but I mean, you tend to trust that Klopp has uh, an idea and a, a bigger picture plan for these things. They're pretty well positioned in the group, so I think he was laying the groundwork for what he sees as needed change in fixture management for teams. I think what he's, you know, obviously most upset about is when teams play their Champions League fixture abroad and then they come home and they get put on a, you know, noon kickoff Saturday, that kind of thing. So he's, they're looking for maximum recovery time. So I don't think that too many people are going to take much notice of the bench if he's making decisions like that for a, a political statement. Yeah, I think that but, probably. But Justin, if, he, if if he was playing on Sunday, he'd be complaining that his next Champions League game is on Tuesday. It was too close. Yeah, and it, well, that's the thing is there isn't a solution to this. If, if this is how much football, if these are the number of competitions but that there, these teams there is are going to be in, there is a solution, isn't there? The solution is he has other players play them. Which like, is what he, he did. He hasn't, he hasn't run out of footballers. True. You, when you're in the Champions League next season, you'll be complaining about this. James Rodriguez can't play three games in a week. I'll take your when we're in the Champions League. <laughs> Tony Hibbert's getting a recall. Um, well, we need we need Leighton Baines back right now, mate. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool are still top, but they could have qualified. Um, Atlanta were winless, Jesse, in all competitions until uh, in November until this game. So they've had a bad month, haven't they? <laughs> That'll be a yes. Oh, yeah. She's nodding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Liverpool are top of that group on nine points. Oh, you, uh, I was muted. You were muted. You okay, should well, sure. No one puts Jesse on mute. Um, oh, <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> uh, Liverpool are top on nine points, then Ajax Atalanta on seven each, then Michelin on no point. Um, Liverpool should still be all right, though, shouldn't they, guys? Are you going to say it? It's no slam dunk um, because there are three teams, you know, involved in the mix. One of them's between Ajax and Atalanta. You would you would think one of them will not qualify, but but you'd you'd want to win your both both of your remaining games if you're Liverpool, just to be certain. Yeah. Um, okay. Also, um, on Wednesday night, Group C in the Champions League, Olympiacos nil, Manchester City one. Phil Foden scored. So, um, including gig performances for England this season, that is five goals and three assists for Phil Foden. Pretty decent, isn't it? Adam? I mean, two of them were in a game against Iceland that meant nothing, but yeah, sure. I gotta build up these players so we can knock them down next year at the Euros. Olympiakos <laughs> <laughs> uh, had zero touches in a Manchester City box until the 88th minute, but City only managed a one-nil win still. So, should they have made this far more comfortable than what they did, or did they just do what they needed to get the job done? I think people seem to be overlooking at Man City seem to have developed the oddest of problems for a Guardiola team which seems to be the inability to score goals at the moment they're, like, they're, they're not particularly potent going forward and they haven't fixed any of their defensive issues they seem to be able to be still be got at just as easily as they have for the last sort of 18 months so um, they're, they're just they're like showing Mourinho that they can play under him. This is a grooming process. What, Man City are preparing themselves for the, yeah. the inevitable Jose takeover? Yes. Do you see how well it's right. working? Well, Jesse They're parking and, their own bus. Will Messi and Jose... Uh, I, I, called, I, I said Jesse then. I sort of amalgamated Since their names. <laughs> Will yeah. they work together next season? Guess what I was named after. <laughs> Will they work together at the next season then, you think? 
Um, Aguero was back, wasn't he? Yeah, sure. So those goal scoring issues should be going out the window soon. Uh, and there's a third. Him, him being back in this game that you're telling me he was back for clearly didn't help. Well, you've got to play your way back into these games, haven't you? There's a third clean sheet in a row in Europe as well. Um, although I suppose. Who were, they, who were they playing? Well, exactly, I suppose. Uh, so also in that group, Marseille lost at home 2 0 to Porto. Um, so City are top on 12 points, then it's Porto, then Olympiacos, then Marseille on zero points. Uh, is anybody on board with Andre Villas-Boas' idea of retiring the number 10 jersey across the whole of football? <laughs> Did you like that reply that I, I found, Jesse, that I sent you? Uh, the one that said, what, why not go further and just ret- retire it from the numbers altogether? Just go, <laughs> just go 9 to 11. <laughs> Um, okay, also in the Champions League for English clubs this week on Tuesday, Manchester United 4, Istanbul, Basakashir 1, um, Bruno Fernandes with two goals, uh, Marcus Rashford and Daniel James. Um, Mark, uh, who, started, who started up front for Man United? Mason Greenwood? <laughs> yeah. No. Think, think cheekbones, Chris. Celine Dion. <laughs> we call him actually the Celine Dion of Uruguay. Oh, did he? <laughs> he was very it, good. He was, was he? God, yes. he was so good. And a young Fecundo Palistri on the bench. It was beautiful, except for the fact that, I'm sorry, I'm going to be just in here. None of these players should have been playing. They should all be in quarantine. Other than that, so good. And they're wearing red Manchester United shirts. I saw a fantastic, um, a fantastic video clip that was breaking down Cavani's movement for Bruno Fernandes' goal. Did you see him bumping into walls by mistake? And it, no, no, but it just—it had all these movements, and on it, it had that would never have been under this situation. Wambasaka covering, which was clearly a reference to the um, to the goal they conceded a week, two weeks ago. When they, just to clarify, they did have Wambasaka back covering. Yeah. And um, Bruno Fernandes could have scored a hat trick, um, but he passed up the chance for a penalty to Marcus Rashford because he promised him previously. Um, we all on board with this happy niceness. Do you do yes, that? So Rashford can have anything he wants. No, you're not. You're when men were men, are you, Adam? Well, Marcus Rashford can have anything he wants, but when you're the penalty taker, your job's to take the penalty. Just, just do it. Justin, what if oh, some no. of your charges, sort of, some of your players said, you know, I was going to take the penalty, but I gave it to this person because I said they could. If they score, it's not a problem. Yeah, like it's not like Marcus Rashford isn't capable of. It's not like he gave it to De Gea. I think there's I've plenty been, of examples it, of when Marcus Rashford is incapable of taking a penalty, which is why, <laughs> Man, why Man United spend most are in yeah. a lot of their problems. <laughs> not, not a, genuinely not trying to make a joke here, but United do get so many penalties. There's a risk of of every possible permutation of, of technique for Bruno Fernandes being too well known. If, if He's almost maybe saying somebody else take a couple so that uh, I still have a trick up my sleeve that a goalkeeper won't be able to anticipate. So interesting you say that, Justin. So when I was watching the um, again Gary Lineker, but this was the, on the coverage of the Everton Fulham game at the weekend, and they were analysing Fulham's penalty mishaps between the Penenka, the one in that game, Mitrovic is missing in against Scotland, and the. Um, Gary, uh, Gary Lineker was talking about how obviously he'd taken a lot of penalties in his career but it must be a lot harder now because you have to vary your technique so much because goalkeepers otherwise will have the jump on you because of the the levels of, anal- uh, of, of sort of analytics and knowing where you can't just have a 
a good penalty that goes bottom right now, can you? Do you have to well, have... Yeah, he's right. That's true. But I think that is offset by VAR enforcing goalkeepers keeping a foot on the line, um, which which has made it a, a, a quantum factor more difficult for goalkeepers. So um, I think those two things offset each other a little bit. Yeah, you, you can you can get a full and very accurate accounting of, of every penalty any player takes now because they're all on video somewhere. But I think the way it was the laws essentially... Enforced now. Adam, Adam, essentially... Adam, someone's got their hand yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I know. Just let me finish. <laughs> yeah, I think it was essentially in, in answer to, to um, a, question, a point from Danny Murphy when they talked about the Penenka penalty and said, why was Lookman pissing about doing that? And Gary right. Lineker was trying to say, look, you've got to vary it. Go on, Jesse, go. Okay, so follow-up. Is it legal, and if it is, am I allowed to hate it so much when players do the, like, fucking awful stop, start, stop, start, dancey, dancey, tango, pachanga lead-up to a penalty? The John Aldridge. Yeah, it's legal. You, you oh. just can't. Well, not quite how <laughs> Jesse said it, because you're not allowed to stop. You're not allowed well, to no, stop, you, and they're not allowed to stop. doing a like, like a like a Chenet turn. Oh no, you're that's not, not true. To... You're not allowed to stop in your in your, in kicking, your kicking action. In your kicking motion, yeah. So you can <sighs> stop in the run up, and and yeah. Look, I mean, the the, the two <clears throat> factors that that I think goalkeepers have to take into account now are that obviously VAR is in place, and you can't have a foot leave the line, um, and the center of the goal is a legitimate target. In a way, it wasn't when I played. When they you just tried to beat goalkeepers, you know, to one side or the other, and so s- with Bruno Fernandez, for example, if I'm a goalkeeper, I don't move. Nobody should be moving. They should just absolutely hold their line, hold, and then try to react to his shot. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but at least take away him simply rolling it into one side because he's able to wait so long. Eden Hazard does the same thing. They're able to keep their eyes on the goalkeeper and wait so long and, and wait to see the goalkeeper commit and they just roll it the other way. If you're a goalkeeper, because I'm surprised that the amount of penalties that are kicked to the side, but they're not sort of right in the corner. So if you're a goalkeeper, is there a case for waiting for the ball to be struck so, so you can dive the right way? And if the ball isn't directly in the corner, you've got a pretty good chance of saving it. Yeah, there's definitely a case for that. I think it's just really difficult for goalkeepers to do that, that everybody... It's such a strange position to be in, starting on your line, um, and and you you're at a disadvantage because of that, and you want to compensate for that disadvantage. I think also a generation of goalkeepers still remember, going back to our friend Peter Shilton, adopted that policy in the penalties against West Germany in the 1990 World Cup. He didn't get near any of them uh, because he waited, tried to react to the shots. They were all good, um, and I think that's the fear. I think the goalkeeper's fear is. I won't save it if he hits a decent ball unless I've anticipated and gone the right way. To that, I would say you probably won't anyway. Um, good shots generally don't get saved. What gets saved are, are you know, the not-so-good shots. Yeah, the thing is, you look good if you go the right way as well, though, don't you? Even if you know you're not you going to get it. <laughs> yeah. When Harry Kane puts that penalty top left-hand corner, no one's really getting to that, are they? No, no. Well, I've always said no. nobody saves. If you, if you, if People can, can try to prove me wrong on this one. Anything above shoulder height doesn't get saved unless it's hit right up the middle. But it's almost impossible to turn a penalty over the bar because your starting position's on the goal line. Even if you get a hand of those, they tend to still go in anyway. 
Um, okay, so Manchester United, they need one point from their last two games uh, to qualify, but those games are against PSG and Red Bull Leipzig, so not quite as pedestrian as we make out. Um, How many goals did they beat Leipzig by in, in the last time they played them? Was it? Oh, it was five 0 wasn't it? Okay, it was, maybe yeah. maybe it is pedestrian then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manchester United at home in Europe. If you compare this to their um, their Premier League form, um, Manchester United in Europe in their last seven uh, have won by an aggregate of twenty four to two, um, and they've got nine in their last two home prem- in their last two Champions League games. Uh, but they've only scored five at home in the Premier League and only got one win. So it's a bit of a Strange situation that. Uh, and the other game in that group, PSG beat RB Leipzig 1-0 thanks to a Neymar penalty. Um, Kylian Mbappe suggested to Julian Nagelsmann that he might want to come out on the pitch and have a go at playing himself because his message wasn't getting through to the players. Um, I think Nagelsmann was losing his rag on the touchline and uh, Mbappe had some words for him. Uh, Manchester then top group there on nine points. PSG six, RB Leipzig six and Istanbul Besiktasir on three points. Uh, in Group E, Chelsea's group, Chelsea um, beat Wren 2-1 away. Goals from Callum Hudson-Odoi and a, um, a last-minute winner from Olivier Giroud. Um, Med- Mendy played in goal for Chelsea back at his old club. Justin, what do you make of him the first few weeks of in the Premier League? He's done He's done well. He's done the, the thing he's needed to do, which is stay out of the media's target. There's been no mistake, no glaring error that would lead to you know the sort of like what if they they've got themselves another lemon kind of thing he's just done his business and and been relatively quiet non-spectacular about it look he looks good there hasn't been any adjustment needed for him um to a new league and a new team he's he's just just kept goal with a minimum of, of fuss and he's he's now being given the benefit of the doubt so that he may survive without the knives coming out when the inevitable mistake does happen um Jesse, Chelsea have won three consecutive Champions League games for the first time since 2016. Is it time to start giving Frank Lampard credit as much as as fun as it is to keep sticking the knife in him? I mean, is it time? Do I want to? Did I forget that Olivier Giroud really existed anymore? Um, Are Champions League games really important? There's so many questions that you've asked me that I've just invented. (laughs) You should mention that more. I told Chris the fifteen teams, fifteen of the sixteen teams that are top of their, the top two in their group, about six weeks ago. I'm gonna go with the games that they've actually won. How are we weighting them? Yeah. Okay. Who, who'd like a quiz? No. A, a, well, you're gonna get one. Olivier Giroud is the fourth uh, player to score uh, for Arsenal and Chelsea in the Champions League. Who are the other three? And do they have beards? You know I'm not uh, good at this. Emmanuel Make Justin Petit. and Adam do it. Could Justin and Adam could do it. Good. What did you I say, Adam? Not. Emmanuel Petit? Not Emmanuel Petit. Would you like the answers? I don't uh, feel William? much... William? Yeah, uh, not William, no. I don't feel much enthusiasm for this quiz, shall I tell you? Are these well, men's I players? Just, uh, men's we players? We can edit out the silences, but I don't want to be told the answers just yet. Oh, Okay. Uh, one is a similar sort of era uh, playing for Arsenal as um, as Manuel Petit. One went Chelsea to Arsenal, also went to the Spurs, uh, and the other one. Uh, Manuel went... Adebayor. No. Ah, oh, what did he play? He didn't play for Chelsea. What was that? Did... Get this Spurs nonsense out of my head. Sat... Hey! Sat grumpily on the pitch uh, at Birmingham City at the end of the game. Oh, William Gallas. Yeah. 
Joe Cole. Oh, Ashley Cole. No, no. You've only got one so far. I know. It's harder than it sounds. Do you know Do you know what's hamstringing me here, Chris? What's that? Your I apathy. Didn't actually hear, I didn't actually hear the question. <laughs> okay. Olivier Giroud is the fourth player to score for both Arsenal and Chelsea in the Champions League. Um, so we've got William Gallas. There are two more. Arsenal and Chelsea. I'll give you a clue. We've just been talking about penalties. Um... This silence isn't very good, is it? It's not. No, but I, the penalty clue has not helped me. Is it not? No, just, so obviously one of them scored via penalty, but that doesn't... Or did he score via a penalty? Or did he score? Anelka? Anelka, yes. Last one. Right. Looks like Fred Savage from the Windy is. I don't know who that's not helped me either. Really? Jesse, you don't remember the Windy is, don't you? No, I think that was a little behind me. Oh. No, I, I remember, but... Winnie Cooper was my first crush, Justin. Not bad. <laughs> um, I'll give you the answer. Cesc Fabregas. I said that. Uh, she literally just said Fabregas. Did you? Sorry, I was thinking yes. about Winnie Cooper. Sorry. That's right. I opt out of quizzes, but then every so often, a player... That one, that one was difficult because not that many players have played for Arsenal and Chelsea, I don't think. Uh, no, there's not many. You might be able to read about it in a book, though, coming out in the next year. Peter, check. <laughs> it will never get written in the next year. No, it won't. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the Champions League, Group A. Um, uh, Atletico Madrid do 0-0 with Lokomotiv Moscow. 10-man Bayern Munich beat RB Salzburg 3-1. So Bayern topped that group on 12 points. Uh, then it's Atletico Madrid 5, Lokomotiv Moscow 3, RB Salzburg 1. Uh, in Group B, Borussia Mönchengladbach beat Shakhtar Donetsk 4-0. Inter nil, Real Madrid two. Now, if I tell you that an Inter Milan player got two yellow cards for arguing with the referee in the space of five seconds, can anyone guess who that might be? Yeah, well, yes. Go on then. Is is Arturo Vidal? It is Arturo Vidal. <laughs> uh, okay, so Brisbane and Gladbach actually topped that group on eight points. They might be one of your teams, Adam, that you predicted. Uh, they are the one that has, uh, <laughs> very much. You spotted the team at Lampy Down. <laughs> their name is Inter Milan. Uh, Real Madrid is seven. Shakhtar Donetsk four. Inter Milan are on two points. Um, next group, group uh, Brussels Dortmund beat Club Brugge three nil. Um, Alfie Haaland, not Alfie Haaland, Erling Haaland with two goals, Jaden Sancho with one. Lazio beat Zenit three one. No, we're not just talking. You can't just say that. He hasn't just scored two goals. Like we did. Well, he did, but we, you can't just go, oh, just like like it's nothing. I'm aware we're on a time scale. That's why I'm rushing through them. Well, you, you want to talk about, we talk about the things I want to talk about. Chris. Well, I've got a question for you. My question I was... Talk, where... I, want to talk about, I want to talk about how Erling Haaland has, has become the, not just the fastest player to score 15 Champions League goals, but absolutely annihilated that record by doing it in 12 games. Do you know how many... Uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy and... I've forgotten who the other player were the next. Do you know how long it took them? 12, 15, uh, 20? 19. 19. I bet Lee Catamore's never even got any, is he? He hasn't got any, no. No. But I just reiterated that that boy's special. Um, I'm going to ruin it for you by just bringing up all of his like very right-wing pro-Trumpy posts. So, ooh. yes, the score, no, the shit posting. Oh, I didn't know about that. Is he wrong, oh, yeah. is he? So just, just like... Uh, he was 17. So was um, Rittenhouse. 
Um, what a question for you guys? Uh, where would Bayern Munich finish? Uh, Bayern Munich. Where would Borussia Dortmund finish in the Premier League? Um, because the reason I asked that is because I can't see them winning very much in Germany just because of the dominance of Bayern Munich. But if we transpose them over to England, I'm guessing they would win an awful lot, wouldn't they? This year, particularly, I think yes. Yeah, with no, their I personnel. Don't, I don't know that I would make them. I don't think that, I don't I think, think they have a particularly good manager. Yeah, that seems to be an issue now. But uh, but this is one of those years where you've got Liverpool playing wounded and still not really looking like they're going to get a long-term challenge from anybody. I'd be interested to see if Dortmund can <clears> do it. Okay. Uh, right, Dortmund topped that group on nine points, then Lazio eight, Brood four, and Zenit one. And finally, uh, Dinamo Kiev nil, uh, Barcelona four uh, in the last group, and Juventus two, Fernand Varas one with a last-minute Alvaro Morata winner. So uh, Barcelona and are top on 12, Juventus nine, Kiev one, Fernand Varas one. Um, what have we got next? Oh, bits and bobs of news. So, Graham Taylor, uh, Gordon Taylor, because Graham Taylor's dead, Gordon Taylor uh, is going to stand down uh, at the end of the season from his role as PFA chairman. He's been in the role since 1981. Um, he takes quite a hefty salary, and we'll learn about a million pounds between now and when he stands down. Um, in 2019, they announced a review into PFA finances, and the PFA have been accused recently of a lack of... Uh, action over the issue of uh, dementia in footballers. Um, Adam, have you seen that one this week? I've seen all the things you've just listed, yeah. Uh, do you have an opinion on this? Um, it was very good of him to make sure that there was no term limits in his job, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Anton Ferdinand spoke on a BBC documentary this week about how he, quote-unquote, uh, didn't feel like the victim when he was interviewed by the FA over the um, the whole John Terry racism affair. So uh, he felt his interview was more like an interrogation, whereas John Terry's was more like a sort of bouncy uh, sort of... Um, a sort of sort of event. Uh, in the documentary, Anton Ferdinand says uh, he sent an email to John Terry um, recently, but he didn't get a reply. John Terry's representative said that's because... John Terry's moved on and didn't want to reopen something on TV that was already decided in court. Um, How nice for him that he gets to move on. <laughs> the FIFA men's coach shortlist has been announced. So, uh, announced have been uh, Marcelo Bielsa, Hansi Flick, um, Jürgen Klopp, Julian Lopetegui and uh, Zinedine Zidane. My thought was no Gasparini of Atalanta. Has anyone got anyone they think shouldn't be on that list or should be on that list? I mean, where's Justin on that list? Where's Justin? Yeah, so Justin, where are you? No, I'm nowhere on that list. Rude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing that they've not seen your team play, and all it would take is like sort of ten minutes in your sort of field watching you play for them to decide you should be on there. What if, what we're have we put? What have we put good. What have we put some YouTube videos out with some really sort of awful loud house music behind it? Just yeah. Just clips of just. And like hashtags. <laughs> I think it's it's purely a branding thing. Agree. Don't yeah. worry, Adam's on it. Uh, are we happy with those choices? I mean, my sort of thought was Gasparini because Atalanta had a very good year. I um, would say that the the awards you get are the ones that you when you win the competitions that you play in. So you're all or nothing. What award? What good is the? Oh. Well done, you're the best coach. Oh, what about like, well done, your players really love you and feel really good about themselves. Yeah. 
Well, like it's like, like, this, this is very much this is very much the attitude of a teacher who used to like getting presents at the end of term. It's not about the presents; it's the cards that you get where they draw you and say, "You give me hugs, I love you," and they spell your name wrong, and it's delightful. And yes, you're right. Have you ever like, been? Have you ever? And the bottle of Merlot that comes with it. Right? You know, sometimes you get really, really silly things, and they're the best ones. Have you ever been given a rubbish present by a child that you've then at a later date given to somebody else as a present? No, I really like the ones where it's like this lump of clay that has like beads stuck into it, and it's a paperweight, but it's supposed to be you. They're my absolute <laughs> favorite. The like, problem is that you haven't, Jesse, but Chris has, but the presents are from his children. <laughs> No, you like, might I say that, I couldn't possibly comment. I want to know that, like, the Man City players have gifted Pep with, like, a binder where they all put together their favorite recipes and drawings that they've made of him, and that's the gift that they give him, and that's why he should be best coach, because his players clearly... I, feel... I, I, I imagine Pep then throws that binder at them and tells them that's why they're fat. Um, well, speaking of throwing things, Wayne Rooney admitted in a podcast that he has... Um, he had... plugs. Know this? No. Well, apart from that, in the past he admitted he smashed up Ravel Morrison's uh, mobile phone in the Manchester United dressing room. Um, Rooney came back into the dressing room to discover that his mobile phone had been taken off charge and somebody else's had been put on. He said, "Quote unquote." When I saw, when I thought it was one of the other lads. When I saw it was a reserve team player, I just smashed the phone up. So he wasn't unhappy that it had been taken out by a first team player. That would have been fine. It was if, when if Skull, if Skull did it, it was okay. Yeah, because it's a reserve team player. He's... What? <laughs> An the, the thing is, Jesse, you're right. Is but he's he's given that story up of his own free will under his own free will, thinking that it doesn't make him look like a dickhead. There will be people um, watching. There will be sort of proper quote unquote football men uh, having heard that thought. Yes, that's quite exactly the right thing to do. That is. Well, no, they would have just cut his socks up. Wait, hold yeah. on. This is the same Wayne Rooney who, when it came out that he had cheated on his wife with an underage prostitute, corrected it with, "I uh, uh, underage. not underage. underage. <laughs> she was never underage. She was a grandmother. We need to correct. <laughs> you put it wrong in your head." She was a grandmother. That was Excuse the problem. Excuse me, that was the second time or the first time. I don't remember. Definitely one of the times. not underage because his lawyers might be huge fans of this podcast. <laughs> Fine. Allegedly. Yeah. Because that couple's up with an underage prostitute corrected it by saying, I didn't know she was underage. <laughs> um, um, it was okay for David Bowie. <gasps> wait, the, did Sarah make that? Oh, you can libel him because he's dead. Exactly. He was allowed to do that. Why is it all of a sudden not okay? It was okay for William the Conqueror. Yeah. Wayne Rooney, A, like, clearly is an example of players needing, like, not being their own best friends and needing better... Wayne Rooney, it sounds like, needs someone following him around at all times. Just going... Justin, if this sort of thing happened in your changing room, Justin, um, how would it play out? Similar to what you just described. I think Wayne Rooney's old enough that he came into the Everton first team at an age where there still would have been some senior pros that had come up. Um, If they had come up when they were his age into a first team environment, that would have been the late 80s, you know, or early to mid 90s. And that was still the way it was. Reserves, or certainly YTS, 
the old YTTS scheme, you, you would that? clean the boots. You training clean scheme. The boots. Trainees, basically, they were they two years after school, they clean boots and yeah, and they genuinely did do that. <laughs> the, the YTS kids at, at every club I was at cleaned the boots and swept the 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 dressing room and did other little menial tasks that I don't think are part of a youth player's progression into the first team anymore. Um, yeah, and there, say, there is I imagine a very... that when he, I imagine that when Ravel Morrison had his bone smashed up, he, he even as a reserve player. He wasn't short of a few quid to go and replace him. <laughs> right, but... right. And, and that's the thing. that It doesn't really... It's. I understand the, the, the attitude and the mentality, but it doesn't really transfer to a modern setting because the, the, those youth players aren't... That isn't part of their, their apprenticeship any longer. It, that's the way it was when Roy Keane came up, and that's the influences that Wayne Rooney saw when he you know got into senior dressing rooms. You can't just keep doing that with each successive generation when that's no longer part of the game. Um, but having said that, have people actually paid attention to some of the things that Wayne Rooney has has had to say and when when given a platform to write about? I, know, I forget which paper he's writing for. He's got quite a bit more depth about him than I think he's given credit for. Yeah. Assuming yeah, that I mean, he's writing the words that are in the <laughs> well, he may not be doing the actual writing. Yeah, he may be going through a. Uh, but, but in the early stages of the of the lockdown last spring, when he was talking about, uh, he, he wrote a, a, what I thought was a, a very forward-thinking article about the priorities really should be other than football right now, and um, a few other things. He's 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 a reasonably bright guy in his maturity. Jesse, I've got. Uh, I think you have opinions on the uh, well-being and training of young children or young apprentices. <laughs> I think that, like, as hilarious as it is to look back <laughs> now, that is the same um, sort of environment that leads to, you know, the kind of hazing that. that we've talked about before because then those same players and those same people feel like they are part of like a subsystem and then don't feel comfortable coming forward when like worse things than phones getting smashed happens because then that is it's like considered acceptable you mean, um, when, I, you mean when Ashley Cole brings his gun to training <laughs> and Paul right, Scholes when, gets like, put in the washing machine or, or when those players are abused or, or um, treated in like you know other ways because then it like sort of is um like scaffolding right like if you're if it's acceptable that because you're on the second string or whatever your phone smashed then other things are are like acceptable too um it's hazing fair enough right this involves of leagues then so in spain um real sociedad top on 23 points then atletico madrid 20 going around 19 real madrid 17 oh, so i'm sorry who plays for atletico madrid now and and has been scoring goals for them and playing really well for them i'm sorry there are a couple players there that joe uh, felix I just the, one with, the one with covid joe felix i just want to mention there are a couple right now like a handful no, yeah, no, like a, like a handful of Uruguayans that have been playing really well. Also, Korea. Barcelona. Yeah. I can't think of any others. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's Valencia versus Atletico Madrid, uh, Real Madrid versus Daniel Alaves, uh, and Real Sociedad versus Villarreal. 
Italy, Milan and top on 20 points and it's Asuelo 18, Roma 17, Juve 16. So it's the Flying Witches of Benevento versus Juventus. Um, Sassuolo versus Inter, Milan Fiorentina and Napoli Roma, which looks uh, pretty mouth-watering. Um, Germany buying a top by a point on 19 points. And it's Dortmund and Bayern, uh, Leverkusen and RB Leipzig on 17 points. So Bayern Leverkusen play Hertha Berlin, Dortmund play uh, Cologne, Stuttgart Bayern and RB Leipzig play uh, Armenia Byfield. Um, in France, it's PSG, Lille, then Lyon. So PSG play Bordeaux, uh, Sanity and play Lille and Lyon play Rennes. Uh, elsewhere in the world, we've got um, we've got a Istanbul derby. It's Fenerbahce play Besiktas. Uh, Rapid Vienna play Austria Vienna uh, in Austria. Uh, the MLS playoffs: it's Orlando versus New England Revolution and Columbus versus Nashville. Um, it is the Indian Super League, uh, the Kolkata Derby. It is East Bengal versus Mohun Bagan. It is the uh, African Champions League final of Al Ahli versus Zamalek. That's in Cairo. Don't laugh, Adam. There's 100,000 fans that go to these things. And finally, it's the El Superclasico of America versus Guadalajara. Uh, Justin, sorry, you got your hands up. His hand. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that we just we just brushed right past Orlando. Did people see what yes. happened in the Orlando City well, playoff game? I watched that entire game up to um, extra time, and I didn't watch extra time. I've I got a feeling I missed out on something. That's it. <laughs> It was fabulous, wasn't it? So we had a penalty shootout where a goalkeeper was sent off and then they tried to bring on a substitute goalkeeper. Uh, the referee didn't know the rules and realised they couldn't bring on a substitute goalkeeper. An outfield player had to go in goal and the outfield player in goal managed to save the penalty and uh, his team went through. I have to say, that guy that got sent off in normal time for Orlando, he was very lucky to have made it that far in the game. Yeah. Uh, that sort of jump and elbow he did on that player about 10 minutes before. That was a horrible, nasty challenge. Um, Adam, Kolkata Derby, any thoughts? African Champions League final, any thoughts? Cairo Derby, big game. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely bloody nothing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Premier League. Okay, it is... Uh, there back is this... no more 10, Adam. There's, yeah, no. It's really important I get to 10, Justin. <laughs> Adam, he didn't even bring up the um, the Women's Mexican League. There's always room for that next week. I mean, I did mention La the... Su- I mentioned the Super... It's actually really good. It is good. I did mention the Super Classico. That sounds even better than a Classico. It's a Super Classico. There's only one Super Classico. Let's be straight on that. And it's a bit further south than Mexico. That's not the one that he's yes. talking about. <laughs> is it further south than Buenos Aires, is it? East. East. That way. Uh, in the Premier League on Friday night on Amazon Prime, it is Crystal Palace versus Newcastle Palace. On a Friday in the Premier League, have drawn five and lost seven. Um, that is most played by any week uh, by any club on a weekday without winning in the Premier League. Jesse, what do you make of when that? The moon is full. I just love your statistics. <laughs> really great. Uh, Palace have beaten Newcastle uh, in two of the last three, um, but Justin Cardalo has saved, have made 70, uh, made forty one saves so far in the Premier League. That's the most of any keeper, so he's very important that, to them. That's that's not necessarily a statistic that you want. To be leading the league in uh, no, um, I, I think yeah. all we need to the only statistic you need to know is that Zaha has COVID, so Crystal it Palace is going to win. Certainly hurt them. 
I, I just wonder, though, if the day is coming. Steve Bruce is, plays his side so deep in such a, a deep, low block. At some point, Carl Gala will be one of the furthest players forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite feasible. Uh, what are we going to go for in this thing, guys? I, I didn't realise about Wilfred Zaha, so I'm going to go with uh, maybe a draw on this one. Newcastle aren't very good in London. <laughs> Newcastle aren't limiting their <laughs> to London. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. What uh, are we going I with, guys? I think I will go for a Newcastle win, though. Oh, okay. Uh, Jesse? Yeah, I'm going to go with a really boring Newcastle win. Okay, Justin. I I I think even without Zaha Palace will find a way to squeak a goal and win one 0 Yeah. Okay. Right. Saturday lunchtime. Uh, BT Sport is Brighton versus Liverpool. Um, Brighton have got zero back-to-back Premier League wins in the last twelve months, so they're winless in eight at home. So they beat Aston Villa last time out. That's why I mentioned about the back-to-back wins. Uh, winless in eight at home. Liverpool winless in three away in the Premier League. So is this going to be a draw, guys? Liverpool no, are you're going to win. Well. Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool are exhausting. They're sort of yeah. crawling onto the pitch and sort of <laughs> <laughs> wearily. Hard, hardly able to wake up. <laughs> some, of still, some of them still in their pyjamas. Stuffed from their Thanksgiving turkeys. There's <laughs> no Americans in the Liverpool team, is there? No, you're going to be fine. You're going to win. Just say it. Stop. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say it. Justin and uh, Adam, maybe one of you can say it for me. Uh, no, yeah, I'll go... I'm going to go with a full-on Mark Lawrence approach to this, but a sort of a reverse Mark Lawrence. <laughs> I just never predict a Liverpool win. <laughs> Justin? Yeah, I would expect Liverpool to find a way to win. Okay. No no, no, um, no, Lamptey for uh, for Brighton, so they're going to right. be slightly hamstrung in their... their t- I know he's a right-back, but they're attacking efforts, so... <sighs> even, even the tiredest of... Um, <laughs> Of Liverpool, of Liverpool left backs will be fine. Dude, you even managed to defend a little in your last match. You've got this. You're fine. It's going to be annoying. You're going to win. Well, Andy Robertson, um, he uh, only played half an hour yesterday, so he should be right as rain. And that, unless he's too tired for making those Trent Alexander Arnold uh, videos, wingmen, they're good. You should watch them. Ugh. Uh, okay, uh, three o'clock. The only three o'clock Premier League kickoff on Saturday on BT Sport is Manchester City versus Burnley. Um, the last six games between Manchester City and Burnley at the Etihad, City have won by an aggregate of twenty-four to two, uh, and have won the last three five-nil. Um, do we need to spend much time talking about this game? No, no. Even despite no, City's poor, f- no. Even despite City's poor form at the moment, they're a negative goal yep. difference, aren't they? Yeah, it's not poor form. They're just poor. Yeah. <laughs> However, if if we if we're going by judging City as poor, they just in the the barometer. Burnley's terrible. Burnley. Yeah. Burnley's terrible. Right. And, you know, Burnley has survived for a couple of seasons on smoke and mirrors, scoring fewer goals than games played, and still finishing pretty comfortably. It seems to have run out this season on them. Okay. Uh... Half past five on Sky is Everton versus Leeds uh, in the Danny Cadamatri derby, Adam. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has got ten goals in nine appearances. um, And Patrick Bamford can score uh, in his first five away uh, Premier League games of the season. So it's going to be a game for the strikers, isn't it? I mean, if you you add up the yards of all of those Dominic Calvert-Lewin goals, they probably don't make ten. (laughs) Um, but hey, it's all, it's all about finding the net, isn't it? So, um, 
in, in paper, I think this could be a really exciting game because you've got a team in Everton who like to, who especially this season like to control the ball, um, are very comfortable in possession, um, and a team in Leeds who like to swarm on the counter attack. Uh, the lack of Luca Dinia upsets and concerns me. That's a couple of months, isn't it? He's out for. It just said some time. He didn't have to add months to it. Sorry. <laughs> I was up. <laughs> Are you going to say it then? Chest out, shoulders back? No, absolutely not. I think it could... It'll be a very interesting game. I think a big, good game to watch. It's not a game I'm confident about. No? Jesse and Justin. I, I, I don't... I, I, as much as I, I don't think I could watch a um, a game that Leeds were playing in and ever be confident for the other team, no matter how good they were, because of the the nature of how Leeds play. It doesn't mean I'm confident ever that Leeds will win games, but they just, they have the ability to upset anyone. And they absolutely dominated Arsenal last week and were very unfortunate to come away with a point. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed, but confidence isn't there. Jesse and Justin, cheer him up. I think his take is pretty rational. Yeah. Jesse I think for Justin that's actually remarkable because he didn't add like that is a vote of confidence (laughs) to not add any other measures of I'll go with realism I think that's Justin's way of saying Adam you have a very strong team (laughs) is this as close as Justin gets to giving out compliments really strong team See, <laughs> this, is, this, yeah. is, this is great. I don't well, I mean, there's... feel really good about that. I don't know that there is a good team in the league this season. Um, remember that everybody is judged relative, and so you say with Spurs atop the league, with Liverpool atop, it doesn't mean they're flawless. It doesn't mean it's not like even just last season. You look at the results we've already seen this season. So it's, it's difficult to be confident. I don't care who you are. And, and Adam's right. Leeds can get a result against anybody um, or cer- certainly put a good scare into anybody, even if they don't get a result in the end. It's not like Burnley where you know, they're, or, or Newcastle where they're turning up from the kickoff hoping to limit the damage. They're trying to hurt you. Hmm. Um, they're trying to make you uncomfortable. They're trying to harass you when you have the ball and bait you into to dangerous situations they can exploit. Um, they, they're, they're uncomfortable to play against now they need more points it, it, you know it hasn't always equated to points for them but I absolutely understand and agree with the, the point that Adam's making and that they're a, a, an uncomfortable opponent um, I think what Leeds did show in this last in these last maybe two matches is aside from really it's time for haircuts two man buns in one team is just too too many it's unfortunate um, I think it is, might be more than two, Jesse. I think you've not uh, quite worked out how many God, these players like, are. Did they get a group on? Is this like a, it's just, it's really, it's time. Um, is a very um, leaky defense. And so I think that they're exploitable. Um, and so in moving forward in that high press, it does leave them open in the back. And that has been, I think, increasingly easy to see. So you do have, you know, it's not, Nothing is, um, I'm trying to give him help here, and you guys are looking at me funny, and it's making me very <laughs> self-conscious. Uh, no, you're no, all I'm doing not, this. No, no, you're I'm right, not, you're right. Like, 
I'm yeah, not devoid of I'm not devoid of hope, <laughs> Jesse. What I'm saying is that I'm hope is that I, I very much have hope and and think that there's every chance that Evan could come away with in this game and so and we played very well in the first half against Fulham. We saw the you saw in that the importance of having Richarlison back in the squad who was Will continue to be there, so um, that's not going away. Um, um, I, and I, I'm sure there'll be goals, but for, for every leaky defence that um, <laughs> that leads have Everton have Yerry Mina. Yeah, I really, I know this is not, this is like for a separate pod, but God, Colombia is so confusing to me. Watching the the qualifiers is. He's just like I need somebody to just give me a lot of time and and send me down to like interview them and watch them in person because it just doesn't make sense. They make no sense. I think they that... should be so much better than they are. They should be able to work together. Everything about them says that they should make sense and then they fall to fucking bits every time. And they are fascinating to me and I'm God, I'm so glad they're not my team. But, but, but watching Jaimina and James and all and Cuadrado, God, like they just—it's like they do it on purpose. <laughs> and I just—I think know. I think that really we should just elevate um, Yeri's role from centre half to mascot. But right, we better. We've got to move on because otherwise, are, this is going to turn out into a, oh, a World Ross, Football Index I'm podcast. So sorry, Ross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take it back. This is going to turn into a World Football Index podcast, and we can't have that. Just edit it out and post. We can oh, edit that. Out. I'm Chris, and I won't let them talk about Yeri Mina. If Emma was here, what? You she'd be losing her mind right now. You're trying to cut Yeri Mina's airtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's more. She's more scary than the three of you. Um. West Bromwich Albion versus Sheffield United, 8 o'clock on Sky. Uh, this is the first Premier League meeting between these two. It makes it the 885th different fixture to be played in the Premier League. Now do you see why I wanted to stop your um, Yerry Mina chat? I should have said that in advance. I would have been all over that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry we got in your way. <laughs> now you can talk about Yerry Mina again. <laughs> um, if it's a draw between these two... It will make it just the third season in which a team doesn't win um, one of their first 10 games. There's going to be a gap opening up soon between these two teams, isn't there? If uh, or Between these two teams and the rest of the table, if they and don't the rest, start winning. Yeah. yeah, if they don't start winning. Well, I think Fulham will, will keep them company for a while. I was going to say, uh, say, considering Fulham's back four looked like they spent most of their time working on the construction of that stand as opposed to <laughs> trade training during the week I don't think that Fulham will be pulling away from them anytime soon well yeah you don't want the team in 17th to pull away from you I think is probably what I'm trying to yeah trying to get at you don't want to sort of gap open up between the rest of them so but Burnley are still bad as well so don't <laughs> <laughs> well all of a sudden you've got Sheffield United bottom on one West Brom three Fulham four Burnley five but then you've got a gap of four points up to Brighton in 16th place on nine points so you are starting to get a little bit of a a gap pulling away there, so you don't want to be too cut off. You don't, because I, I, I don't know if you, you've formalized this, Chris, but it seems the thesis here is that relegation is bad. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, but, but Chris, but Chris, remember, you don't have to when you're outrunning a like a when you're trying to outrun a bear, you don't have to outrun everyone. You just have to outrun the, 
the second you have to just have to be the second to last person, right? Exactly. But Burnley are fine. <laughs> uh, Southampton versus Manchester United on Sunday. So of Manchester United's four wins so far in the Premier League, um Bruno Fernandez has scored in all four of them. Uh Southampton won their last three at home. Um, Manchester United have won their last seven away uh, for their poor home record in the Premier League. They've got an incredibly good uh, away record. I think Manchester United might do this one, given their away record. Yeah, but it, which Manchester United? They they come off these very assured Champions League displays and and frequently turn in a, a rotten league display. So it depends which one we get. The away Manchester United, they won seven... Well, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And this we is could... this is down at St Mary's. It is. Okay. It is. So, and it's on Sunday, so they'll be well rested. It's weird for me to say St Mary's. By the way, I'm the age where my thought is immediately the Dell. The Dell, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we ignore the fact of that change about twenty years. Ago. <laughs> I know. Adam and I were not alive then. <laughs> <laughs> I never got on board with the calling um, Upton Park the Berlin ground. I was, it was always Upton well, no, Park. No, 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 no one got on board with that, Chris. Uh, yeah. you're, you're, that, and that was the same ground. You, you, you were just <laughs> talking, talking about two different things. I can, I can remember the opening of some movies. <laughs> uh, okay, right. Chelsea versus Spurs. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. Half past four on Sky. Um... Spurs can be the first, can win their first five uh, away games of the season, and they will, won't they, Jesse? I'm sorry, you were trying to make me give Frank Lampard credit. Mm-hmm. Now and then, you refused to do the to to say that Liverpool was going to be Brighton. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Well, I've got two reasons for you to be worried. Uh, Jose Mourinho lost to Frank Lampard twice last season, and he's but he's never lost three in a row versus one manager before. Plus, on VAR is Mike Dean. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I'll now go be with third. Harry Winks. What about him? He stinks. Sucks. Does he? Oh, he's just it... scored. Stop it. <laughs> oh, my. What? Yeah, but you could be losing 5-1. He's not told you what the score is. He just told you Harry Winks scored. There's no context to that. <laughs> um... Come on, Jesse. It's going to happen. Chest out, shoulders back. Say it. You know what's terrible? So many things, like the world and... Jesse, have you... More importantly, have you seen Tottenham playing cricket in training? Oh, my God. I loved it. Thank you. Um, I... I, Tottenham are so good at football, but they don't even do training at football anymore. Right? Yeah. Um ping me when they start doing ballet I, I, I don't like Cavani's Cavani's have... to Manchester United you know that that's where the ballet's happening I don't like to think that I have absorbed what Justin brought up oh so many years ago but I, I, like, I feel like I don't care enough about my beautiful fabulous club team I don't know if it's Mourinho or just the state of the world right now and I need help I think he's Mourinho you need to see more what did I bring up <laughs> I love how you said that the older you get the less you care why oh, there right that's now? just true. Yeah, it is. I yeah. want to care. I want to care about all the Harrys on the pitch. Well, you I just do. One of them off. The, Harrys. <laughs> the more Harrys, the less I care. What is that what kind of? One of the one of the Harrys sucks apparently. Go on, Jesse. Give us a prediction. What's going to happen? <sighs> I mean... Jesse bought some ham for um for uh, 
regular on as part of a bet. So. Oh. oh, I did see that. See, I am really appreciating his Instagram. Adam, you did really help me out with that. All right, fine. You know what? Since I don't care, I'll be able to say it'll all be fine. Nothing can go wrong now. <laughs> Terrible. Just Chelsea, in and Adam. Chelsea have not played a decent team for a, a while. This is their first. Will Kepa be in goal? No. I'm... No. It's not like, unless they do some sort of like cards at the beginning where you're forced to, like um, some sort of bad community chest. Oh. Have to play Kepa in goal. They should do that. <laughs> um... I'm going to go 2-2 on this one. I reckon it's going to be a high scoring draw. Don't know why. Just do. Yeah, I mean, we'll be tired, clearly, but... Not as tired as Liverpool, but... <laughs> no one's as tired <laughs> as Liverpool. Um... I, I think... Oh, God, I hate giving him any credit. I think Jose has been doing a better job at rotating players if he continues to do... God, you guys are the worst making this <laughs> Um If he continues to do that, Adam, don't stop it. I'm it's recording this. It's, it's difficult to find find not nice things to say about someone who's got your got your club to the top of the league isn't it it's <laughs> very good at holding a grudge um, um just hashtag remember Ava Cardenado forever um I think if he continues to do that then you know we will do well ugh <laughs> wish Emma was here <laughs> uh, okay, Arsenal versus Wolves. Um, Arsenal have got zero clean sheets in seven. That's their longest run since 2007. Um, Wolves have already conceded 10 this season. That's the second fuse behind Spurs. And the last three times this fixture has been played at the Emirates, it's been 1 1, Justin. What do you think is going to happen this time? Yeah, I mean, it, these teams don't score. It's funny that we just you sort of think of Wolves that they've earned a reputation as this swashbuckling side, but they. They really, I don't know what the dynamic is, obviously, having lost a few players, but I think they're on nine goals, nine games played. Same with Arsenal. The thing uh, I think that's interesting about Wolves, Justin, is that you, you, I, I certainly didn't put Diego Jota down as the, as the, the sort of like the Jenga piece, the one, he wasn't mm-hmm. the one scoring all the goals, right? You would have right. much been far more concerned if they'd lost Jimenez over, over yeah. the summer than, than Jota, but. It seems to have affected them hugely. Yeah, um, and and benefited Liverpool at the same time. Um, and so y- you do wonder a double if... blow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then Arsenal also still seemingly looking for for what their actual identity is is going um... to be uh, under Mikel Arteta. This is one of those things where charismatic managers are sometimes given credit for turning it. A side around and then a year later they're in the same place um, now this was Jurgen Klopp I don't know if people remember a year and a half into his tenure at Liverpool they were largely the same side that, that in terms of points per game and, and standing in the league and everything you saw these there were some tremendous they started doing much better against the top four sides but they were losing struggling against against smaller sides uh, and it took a long time for for it actually to, to come together for Klopp and I wonder if people yeah, are just I, assuming that Arteta is, is on that same track for, there's, there's for a lot Arsenal. of rope out there for Arteta isn't there yeah there is there is and and um, it hasn't equated to, to actual results yet is all that's all we can say Okay. Uh, Monday night is the last two fixtures the graveyard slot of half past five on Sky uh, 
That's Leicester versus Fulham in the Elvis Hammond derby. Um, Fulham lost three out of four, and they lost three two to Everton last week. Leicester lost three 0 last week um, last weekend to the Liverpool, uh, but they won three out of four, and I think they won tonight, didn't they, in the Europa League? So um, it's going to be Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, they're not. Yeah, Fulham is terrible. This, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, 8 o'clock on Sky on Monday night is West Ham versus Aston Villa in the David Cameron derby. Um, this ended 1-1 uh, last season. Um, West Ham won two at their last three. Villa lost three out of four after a very good start. Uh, how do we see this one going? West Ham, Adam, are a bit of a sort of team resurgent, aren't they? They are. Um, and last time I checked, I believe that Barkley had, Barkley's out injured, right? So... Is he? Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his status will be for this game, but he'd obviously been uh, an important part of some of their their more success, their more fruitful period at the beginning of the season since he joined. Um, but built up a very quick relationship in in that in that Amas and Villa attack. So he's obviously not the the main man, but he was. I think he was an, an important piece there. And when he's not there, it is all left. To, to Grealish in that in that Villa team and that makes them a lot easier to prepare against if you're if you're David Moyes. Okay, Jesse. Yes. Okay. Just Correct. <laughs> Justin, anything someone's going to go. I, 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 picking up where Adam mentioned, I think a, a lot of it does come down to whether or not Barkley plays because if he does, then Villa have two players that disrupt shape by just carrying the ball running past people with the ball and being penetrative and Moyes is, David Moyes is very good at setting up to deal with um, pressure but that's all dependent on shape and when you have individual players that can just beat you off the dribble it's it can't be broken down so if it's left to Grealish alone I think that uh, I think West Ham will probably probably get a result okay right brilliant right that brings us to the end of our Premier League roundup and of our podcast unless anyone's got any other business no. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. We are Man of the Post. We are part of the Man of the Post network. So uh, you can find us on Instagram and um, Twitter at Man of the Post. We are on Facebook too if you want to give us a follow on there. Ali and Simon and Dave will be back on uh, Monday, quite possibly, to re- reviewing the games that we've been previewing. Um, if you want to fi- give us a review, you can give us a five star review on. Uh, what on earth are you laughing at? Because every time you say that, you say it sounds like a child. Because you got Ali and Simon and <laughs> Dave. <laughs> every and you do the same thing every time. And every time I think he sounds like a child. Someone can really talk about Jeremy now. It's not going to be us though. Somebody should. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So um, you put me off my phone now. Uh, we're available on iTunes. We're available on Stitcher, Spotify, Acast. You can subscribe and follow us and give a review. And I had a review for quite some time. So a lovely little five star review go down very well, please. Um, Jesse, if they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? They go to at Jesse Loesch. Justin, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? At Keepers underscore Union. Adam, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Adam, I say 101. Super Chris, deeper. what about you? Uh, you can follow me at Etchingham 77 Guys, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you. And always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>